AJ, you're going to have to help me out with this one. Pressure by Billy Joel. Oh. Can't say I'm the biggest Billy Joel fan, but respect the guy. Tower 2, Wildcat Insider, Wildcat Insider After Work, Mitch Fortner along with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, along with A.J. Shaw. He'll answer if he calls if you want to chime in about the Cats or Super Bowl. Talk about that again as well. Phone number is 785-537-1350. Meanwhile, it is officially underway. BriggsAuto.com Passport to Cabo. Yes, we are giving away a free trip to Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. It's an all-expense pay trip, eight days, seven nights, a two-bedroom beachfront condo at Villa La Valencia, plus a flight for two out of Manhattan Regional Airport free. To get signed up to become a finalist, this week head out to Five Fleet Jewelers. First 10 finalists will be drawn Friday between 4 and 5 p.m. when we are out there live. Uh, also, Passport to Cabo is brought to you by Impressions Body Sculpting and Wellness and Carpet One of Manhattan. So we're just getting underway with the BriggsAuto.com Passport to Cabo. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs, a third Super Bowl under the current regime, under Patrick Mahomes, as they beat the San Francisco 49ers in overtime, 25-22. to Meanwhile, for K-State men's basketball, one-on-one week this past week, as they knocked off the Kansas Jayhawks a week ago today in overtime in Bramlage, final score 75-70 to in front of a sold-out house in Bramlage Coliseum, but a loss to BYU, 72-66. to So, after these two games behind us, K-State's record right now is 15-9 and 5-6 and and in the Big 12 with seven games to go in the conference. Plus, also throw in, you know, what can you do in the Big 12 tournament? I think that's very key to remember that, you know, the Big 12 tournament can be very helpful. Drum Tang has thrown out the record a number of times over the last handful of weeks. The record 9-9, nine and nine, like, the, like in baseball terms, like that could be a magic number. Get to 9-9, nine and nine, and that's just the way I interpret it, not exactly what Jerome Tang is saying. But get to 9-9, nine and nine, you deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. In January, I was back and forth, and I, if I felt that this was an NCAA tournament team, you know, if they lose a couple of games, okay. Um, but how would they respond after the 4-1 start? Well, they've only won one game. They're 1-4 since that start. Right now, there's a lot of work to do. Right now, K-State is in the 70s for its net ranking. They have the third worst net ranking right now in the Big 12. Resume is not ready for any sort of NCAA tournament. They're right now on the wrong side of the bubble. But, you know, it, they play in the Big 12. They have a ton of, you know, quad one games on the horizon still to come. Still plenty of opportunities to prove that you can get in. But the question is, does K-State actually get there? It's a hard question to answer because they're just kind of teetering right now. Like, yes, they're on the wrong side of the bubble. They're not showing up on Joe Lenardi's bracketology, but it's still very doable. The hope is if K-State can take care of the rest of the work at home, which is still four games, and maybe go win a game in Kansas City, add a couple of games they could win in Kansas City, 
that would be very helpful. Is that enough to get in? Possibly. So why I, I still feel this is very doable, but they still have a lot to prove. Well, they do have some work to do, as they like to say. And you're right, seven games left, four of them are at home. And pretty highly rated teams, too, with TCU, BYU, Iowa State, for sure. And then West Virginia would be fourth in that group of four. Road games at Texas, at Cincinnati, at Kansas. Those games, if you could snare one of those, especially the game in Lawrence, uh, just from a from a rating standpoint, metric standpoint, that would be great. But I think, if I'm being honest, probably in this scenario, you need to win at least one road game here of the of the three remaining. And if if you only get, let's say they do win one, okay, probably going to have to win the four home games and maybe win a game or two in the tournament. Fair assessment? Yeah. What do you yeah, think? I agree. If you go out and you beat two of the three on the road, maybe you don't have to do quite as much damage when you get to Kansas City. Just a thought. K-State still plays two games against the newcomers, and they're both quad one opportunities. One's at home, one's in a way. You still host BYU. You're playing at home. You feel better about those chances. You know, Cincinnati right now is a tough out, and I think that's surprising a lot of people, how tough they've been, especially at their house, which is where K-State will be playing on March 2nd. Well, they're a very inter- interesting team when you, when you get to looking at them because they have lots of size. I mean, they're seven foot six eleven, six eight across the front line, and that's uh, Bandego, Locken, and Lukosius. I think everybody is starting to understand, recognize those names. But then they've also got Day-Day Thomas at the point, and Dan Skilling's coming off the bench, and Jizzle James off the bench. You get the idea. That is a pretty good group of players. I think they're well coached. They are playing very good basketball at home and like everybody else, trying to survive on the road. So that will be a most difficult game. I I would even say this. I think it will be absolutely as difficult for K-State to win at Cincinnati as it will for them to win at Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even more so. I think it's more – yeah, exactly. I think it is more so. Yeah. To go win at Cincinnati, there's no is disrespect Texas. to Texas at all. None. Well, but the big reason is Texas has been better on the road than they have been at home. They exactly have not been right. a good team at home in Big 12 play. They've been much better on the road. No question. Very weird how that's turned out because entering the Saturday games, I believe that the Big 12 on the road had been at basically 30. Only a third of the wins in Big 12 play have been for the road teams. Well, so, if you look at the standings in, in the Big 12, and 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 you see Houston on top at eight and three, then Iowa State is seven and three, Kansas is seven and four, Baylor is six and four, Tech is six and four, so it's pretty jumbled, and it still is after that, but we'll just stop there. But you start to look at, you know, the top of the league. Kansas six and zero at home, Houston five and zero at home, Iowa State five and zero at home. That's somewhat typical, right? Now go look at the away records. I'm sitting here looking at all of this down, and I see, and this is how to augment what you're saying about Texas. Texas is 3-2 and two on the road in the league. The only team in the league better than that on the road is Houston at 4-3. and three. Iowa State's 2-3, and three, Kansas 1-4, and four, and on and on and on. I Again, I'll stress this. 
I think the committee is going to want to see Kansas State win a game in this league on the road, if not two. You, you got to. Yeah. You really do. Um, especially with, okay, so K-State's played a number of home games this year that, well, I shouldn't say a number. I mean, they've lost two. But it's, I mean, it, in those games, there are two halves that you so badly really won back in another shot at because it was just such a bad half. And then one of those losses, which is to Nebraska, is has now moved into a quad two loss, which doesn't help. You had that first game against USC. USC was supposed to be a really good team. That's now showing up as a quad three loss. Yeah, part, that doesn't help. Partly because they've lost about a third of their team with injuries. Yeah. But, but hey, it is what it is. And then Providence. Providence has been kind of teetering between a one and a two. Right now, yeah. Providence is at a net 57. Yeah. And for that to be a quad one win, you need to be them have them in the top 50. So... Need Providence to start winning some games. You need, uh, let's see, who else is in there? Villanova. Could you start winning some games? Probably won't (laughs) happen. And also LSU. LSU, when that game happened and the Cats won, it was like, all right, that's a good road win. And then they're not doing as well as they once was. And now they're almost into the 100s in the net. Yeah, and got smoked at home Saturday by Alabama. Excuse me, it was like... I don't know, 109 to 84 or something. I mean, it wasn't even close in the last 10 minutes. Just hammered. That's not good. God, who did, didn't Villanova just lose a game this weekend or maybe during the midweek? That was just – you wouldn't be too happy about that if you lost that <laughs> game. I, I have to go back and look. I can't, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking sure. on, on that scenario. But And also another example, Miami. Mm-hmm. You know, playing Nigel Pack in Miami, that was a neutral side game. Okay, you lost. You hope they stay in the top 50 in the net. Well, now they've been losing some games, and they were competitive. Did they beat North Carolina the other night? No, I don't think. They lost? Yeah. Uh, but now Miami is now net 69, so that's also not helping you out with a couple of those losses. Now dropping to a quad two, um, and now now K-State has a quad three loss with USC now at net 108. So yeah. some of those losses, really, when you look back, you really want them back because now they're turning into worse losses for you, so it's not helping the resume. Yeah. Let's go back one more time to what what K-State needs to do, okay? Again, we talked about, you know, can can you win three or all four of the home games? Can you get one or two on the road? The next question is, depending on those seven, what do you have to do in Kansas City? I don't know how you feel about, you know, Kansas City, but um, generally speaking, with the right draw, you could certainly get a couple there. You can't count on it, right? Because it's so competitive and so tough. But I, I don't know it's if it's as tough as winning at Cincinnati, at Texas, or at Kansas, right? But I uh, again, I'll be repetitive here. But I I think they have to go win at least one game on the road. Um, I, I just think that you about have to get one somewhere along the line. And it's I mean, think about some of the places they played. Had a chance in Lubbock. Had a chance in Ames. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, they were down fifty-eight to forty-one the other night with just under ten minutes to go and got back to within two, but couldn't couldn't pull it off. Well, and I mean, also consider like the, the seating. Like if you're case, you know, these these days you don't want to be for sure um, where you're playing day one. Right. You're one of those back four teams, and you don't mm-hmm. make a first buy. I think at least you want to be at the worst. You get one buy. 
and you play day two against you know whoever. Sure. But right now, K-State is tied for ninth in the Big 12 with Texas, so they're teetering right there. Oh, for sure. To be a day one team. But I, Kansas City, win or two there would obviously be a monster help. You know, what also we could consider is, you know, maybe K-State just wins out. Well. <laughs> just, just win out. Hey, you're a six-loss team. That might win you a Big 12 title <laughs> this year. Yeah. That could happen. I don't well, think it will, but well, but but it's it's a good point. I mean, you, you know, the, the chances are probably pretty slim. It, yeah, but 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 I do think that again. Let's go back to like this last week. You know, K State, they weren't perfect at home beating Kansas, but they were good enough. They weren't perfect at BYU, and they weren't quite good enough, but they again again got back to within two. I I mean, who knows? Let's let's look at it this way. You got seven games left. If you go five and two and win one of the one of the games on the road, and then win at least a game in Kansas City, that's five. That, a shot. That's, that's six more. That's twenty one. And in the league, let's see, they're five and six. I mean that that gets you to nine and nine or better. Well. You, <laughs> well, the rest of the schedule, we'll start with TCU on Saturday. Right now, TCU is a quad two game, so mm-hmm. you got to win it. Yeah, That has to be a game you win. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's look at the Horned Frogs. This will be the first and only time that these two teams will meet in the regular season. Who does Jamie Dixon have coming into Manhattan on Saturday? We'll find out next with Wyatt. You're listening to Wild. You're listening to Wildcat Insider on News Radio KMAN. Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, and A.J. Sean are bored. Uh, a couple of things. Starting on Friday morning, we will uh, start having some Manhattan High Wrestling 6A regional updates. That'll be Friday and Saturday, and then the week after will be Manhattan High at 6A State. And uh, a week from Thursday is when those updates will start, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So tune in to K-Man for updates of Manhattan High Wrestling at regional and state starting this Friday for the Manhattan Boys. Competing in regional, the Manhattan Girls just finished in third place this past Saturday in Junction City. Meanwhile, Bramlage Coliseum uh, on Saturday, it is a doubleheader. The K-State men will play first against TCU. That'll be an 11 o'clock tip-off. Pre-game here on K-Man will start at 10 in the morning. And then the K-State women will have a 4 o'clock tip-off against UCF. Hopefully, Aoka Lee will be back for that game. And uh, pregame coverage here at 3.30. Meanwhile, K-State baseball also starts on Friday. We'll get more on that in our next segment. But they'll be sandwiched in between uh, those two games. Online only at NewsRadioKman.com. All right, Wyatt. Well, TCU will be here in town on Saturday. They actually play tonight. K-State does not have a midweek game. TCU plays tonight. Big 12 now on ESPN Plus against West Virginia at 7 o'clock. The Horned Frogs 16-7, 5-5 in the Big 12. They've lost a couple in a row. Wyatt, what do you uh, what do you think about this TCU team? Interesting to look at them, and I've been studying them here uh, over the last you know couple of days. I've seen them quite a bit this year, and what stands out is is that they just have so many different. Well, they just don't have a, a ton back from last year's really really good team, a twenty two win team. Doesn't mean they're not a good team, but. Emmanuel Miller is a returning starter, um, and Chuck O'Bannon is a returning starter, but O'Bannon now isn't really starting. So Emmanuel Miller is a good player, 16.4 points a game, 17 in league play, 6-7. He can play the three, he can play the four. You got Micah Peavy in that lineup and Avery Anderson, the former OSU Cowboy. Um, But I I guess in terms of the newcomers, 
um, the former KU player, Ernest Duday, um, and Travian Tennyson from AM Corpus Christi. So then they come off the bench with Jameer Nelson, Chuck O'Bannon, Xavier Cork, Jacoby Coles, and just a little bit of Eason Mostafa. So they're basically eight to nine deep. They have not really played what I would describe as great basketball all year long, or but especially lately. They they're not a good matchup with Iowa State. Iowa State's kicked them around twice, including in Ames this uh, past weekend. Um, I think they're a gettable team, right? I think they're a gettable team. They're they're a team that can score. Uh, I think they're probably okay defensively, but maybe not quite like last year. They but they they lost some guys off of that group. Yeah, their numbers defensively. I mean, in Big 12 play, they're giving up one more point than they are scoring. So they're right now averaging, you know, the margin, the scoring margin is actually in the negative territory yeah. uh, for for TCU. I mean, just from what I know, and I'm you know looking at their numbers, they they can shoot it well. Yeah, they're they're a good scoring team. They're one of the best in the Big 12 in scoring the basketball. Just defensively, they're not getting enough stops. Yeah, and if you just watched last Saturday's game with Iowa State, that's probably not typical because they did not shoot the ball well in that game. <laughs> They just they had some looks, but they they have like K State struggled with turnovers. But if they make shots, um, kind of have to look at it like you know they'll be a tough out. Yeah, right now I mean K State in Big Twelve play is averaging fifteen point seven turnovers per game. TCU is the second worst team in the Big Twelve in coughing up the basketball turnovers, and they average. 13 a game, so K-State's almost three more than the second-place yeah. team with mm-hmm. the most turnovers. So you would hope uh, against a team that just doesn't play great defense right now, Cats can do a better job of taking care of the basketball. And I think that's where I, I, I look at K-State next to try to improve, and that's just basketball IQ. Probably needs to step up a little bit and be smarter with the basketball. It's about valuing the basketball. Don't give up the live, live ball turnovers, give away the breakaways. Smart passes. I mean, there were a couple of times, I believe, well, I remember one specifically just Darrell Colbert was kind of stuck in the middle of the floor and just kind of kept pivoting, had nowhere to pass it, and just kind of basically he threw it away, just kind of gave up on the play, forcing it, tight windows. These unforced errors got to be cleaned up. Well, they had 16 turnovers in the game in uh, Provo the other night, and that's kind of been in the vicinity, 16, 17 uh, of where they've been here most recently, and that's probably I mean you can maybe get away with it, you know, in in some of the home games, uh, a little tougher on the road, and I think that's what we saw this past Saturday in Provo, and again telling it like it is, um, I thought K State played pretty good defense against a really good offensive team. They gave up just seventy two points. BYU was 8 of 25 from three-point range, but this is a compliment to BYU in every way and not so much a knock to K-State, though. Remember I said how smart they are and they understand angles, spacing, all of those kind of things. They also know how to pass the ball. They had 18 assists on 27 made field goals. Mm-hmm. So K-State did some good things, but uh, not quite. Those, those turnovers stick out. Um, just, just kind of a fact of life. Yeah, BYU with just seven turnovers, that's their lowest number yeah, in Big that's 12 That's the play. other thing, man. They yeah. take care of the ball. Very, very good team, one of the top ten in the country in both offensive and defensive efficiency. K-State's played in eight straight games where they have trailed at halftime. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Yeah, it's crazy. 
it's an odd stat, especially <laughs> you know they've they've won some of those games yeah. too. That that's the that's the interesting part. But it is a little bit of a an abnormal thing, I would say. Also, you know, against BYU, I mean, twenty one free throw attempts, second most by BYU this season. They weren't much of a team to get to the free throw line. They they did not. Sh- I was surprised how how bad they were at the free throw line. Just forty seven point six percent, ten of twenty one. Like, man. If we could have just caught a few more breaks, like if BYU doesn't hit a couple of those threes. And by the way, K-State was down, what, 16 points with six minutes to go? And K-State played definitely its best four- to five-minute stretch of the game where they got within two. Arthur Kaluma, you know, he he's had a rough before um, the BYU game. Had a rough handful of games. I think Tyler did a good job of making up for that. Tyler was hitting some shots. And then we see Tyler against BYU go one for nine, but Arthur once again found his shot, and he hit three threes in the game. So it was good to see him come back, but then you know Tyler then doesn't stay with his momentum after three really solid games. And Tyler Perry finishes one of nine from three-point range, and he finished with nine points. And you know I don't think K-State can win very many games if Tyler Perry is scoring in, in single digits. Well, let's go back to what you said about Kaluma. Earlier in the show, we said when K-State has those big three, Kaluma, Perry, Carter playing at a high level, they're pretty hard to beat. Yeah. But this is just one example of how hard the league is, okay? In his last five games, Kaluma is averaging 33 and a half minutes, 12 points, 5.6 rebounds. Those are not bad numbers, but they're not up to his normal standard. And especially when you look at the shooting in, in the five-game stretch, He's 22 of 52 for 42% from the floor, but he's gone just 6 of 25 from three, and that, that's 24%. By the way, one more note about BYU in that game against K-State. On the TV broadcast, it's, it's Black History Month, and they shared some history about BYU's black history, and that was two years ago they had their first ever lineup with five black players yeah. on the floor at the same time. I about spit out my drink when I saw that. <laughs> Really? Um, I mean, this you're talking about a university that didn't admit its first black student until the 1980s. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of bad black history at BYU. I could really get into that. Not going to do it at this time. Maybe another show. Uh, but I was just kind of dumbfounded when I saw that. I remember seeing it a couple of years ago. I was like, oh. F- f- it, it is uniquely gr- different. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And And, you know, when you're saying that, one of the first things that popped into my mind was – was that in the game the other night, K-State gets back to within two, and what happens? Jackson Robinson gets a screen, comes up, catches, shoots, hits a three-pointer at the top of the circle, and he really didn't do a whole heck of a lot the rest of the game, but that was a monster three for them. I mean, I, I, I'm just going to say this. People will maybe question it or whatever. If he misses that shot and K-State rebounds the game or rebounds it, they could, they could maybe win the game. That's how big it was. Yeah, it was nice to see. That was a dagger, man. Yeah, BYU um, was 2 of 13 in the first half from three. I was like, okay, well, that's that's great because they're typically pretty good. They also jack up a lot of threes. I think they were averaging 32 a game or something. Tops in the nation. They shoot more threes than anybody else. And they shot just 25 in that game against K-State. That was well below average. Yeah, it's funny you say just 25. But when you're averaging 32, 33, 34, and they were at 34 a couple of weeks ago, I think it was 32 going into our game, 
but they also were making 12 or 13. <laughs> That's a lot on average. All right, let's take another break. When we come back, very excited about Friday because it is the start of a top 25 K-State baseball team opening the season in Scottsdale, Arizona. K-State baseball next here on Wildcat Insider. Wildcat Insider. K-State Baseball, a top 25 team entering the 2024 season under six-year head coach Pete Hughes. It starts with the MLB Desert Invitational on Friday night, 7 o'clock. Online only at NewsRadioKman.com. K-State and the Cal Golden Bears will kick things off. And then on Saturday at 1 o'clock, again, online only at NewsRadioKman.com due to K-State basketball. Cats will face Boston College. And then how about Sunday? Georgetown is the opponent, 1 o'clock. Sunday, that will be on air here on News Radio KMAN on the 18th. And then, by the way, just to uh, play one more in Arizona before they come home for their first series of the season, which is February 23rd against Holy Cross, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're going to play at Arizona State, which is a week from tomorrow, 7.30. And that just happens to be K-State, Arizona State, the two teams that were the first two teams left out of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they so were chips so close. on shoulders. Yeah, and <clears throat> I think that's very motivational for this K State baseball team going into this season because they were so so close last year. And I, I know it's easy to say you know that they probably should have been in, but I'm going to say it again anyway. I think they should have been in, uh, but but hopefully with a little bit of a uptick in the strength of schedule. If you can have similar performance, and I think they've got some very interesting pieces. If if a couple of uh, two or three new faces come through, and uh, the pitching is what they hope it will be, I think they're going to have a very very solid club this year. Interested to see who's going to be the rotation Friday, Saturday, Sunday rotation. Oh, and Borma, of course, is going to be your Friday guy. Right. But Tyson Neighbors still going to come out of the bullpen, so he could be a starter. Pete Hughes said that he much more enjoys Tyson. Pitching a couple of times a week at least. So I, I totally <laughs> hear you me. on that. I mean, yeah. you're talking about uh, potentially the best arm in the Big 12 uh, this year, especially with that high heat. And he has found his command, and that's been a big part of his maturity to become a better pitcher. And he's going to be, um, you know, it's. Be- I mean, speaking of Tyson Abrams, I thought that was a good – from the media day last week, Brian Smaller brought up NIL. And, I mean, him probably along with a number of other guys probably had some feelers out there, some numbers that were put out there and say, hey – you come here, we can give you this. Sure. Maybe, of course, you know, with baseball, when it comes to scholarships, you're not dealing really with full – you're dealing with percentages of a scholarship. And that's happened in the past where K-State – and it's happened, I'm sure, everywhere just about, you know, where a player is offered a better percentage of a scholarship or whatever. Uh, that can come into play as well. I don't know if it's as much anymore with NIL being what it is. But, I mean, Tyson Neighbors, I'm sure, had some numbers out there, but he decided to stay committed to K-State. So – and so did basically everybody else just about. Yeah, and then that's a big deal because let, let's just be honest here. You know he had some people out there, you know, scratching at his door, so to speak, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're one of the best closers in the college game, people are going to notice. They're going to give you, uh, you know, a, a thought or two about, hey, what would you think of this? Could you Would you entertain coming and playing here? I'm going to guess that happened multiple times. He's really, really talented. His numbers from last year, really good in terms of, you know, <laughs> what he did out of that bullpen as a closer with saves and just just really, I mean, pretty dominant. Throws hard, good player. 
Yeah, Tyson Neighbors, first team All Big 12 last year, received an All America status from seven different outlets. Yeah, that's a bunch. Um, a year ago, stop of the year finalist, made 25 appearances, second most on the team in 2023. Uh, a team ERA, or uh, I'm sorry, an individual ERA of 185, 10 earned runs in over 48 innings. Yeah, now think about that. Yeah. 48 innings, 10 earned runs. That's that's pretty solid. He had 70 more strikeouts than walks. <laughs> and set school record in ERA and saves by a sophomore. Did you have something, AJ? Oh, no, other than he averaged close to two strikeouts per inning, which is pretty darn good when you're punching out 86 guys in 48 innings of work. Yeah, yeah, good good point there. Yeah, Add it all up, yeah. Uh, let's go to uh, Pete Hughes, just a clip or two from his media day about him being excited about this year's team. We could talk about last year all we want, but we're moving forward, and there's a reason why everybody's back here in this room, because we have high expectations. Uh, we, we have a, a team that's strength is depth, team that's strength is uh, on the mound, which is how you win in college baseball. I think we have a, a multidimensional offense, which gives us a lot of options uh, and, and certainly ways to win. Let's go around the uh, diamond here a little bit. Pete Hughes mentioning some guys that'll play certain positions. If we play tonight... Daniel Rivera will play third base. KC will play short. Brady Day will play second. David Bishop will be at first. Cayenne Lotus will be out there and right. we got a battle for the DH spot. We don't stop evaluating. Things could change. Jaden Lombliner has been outstanding since day one this fall. Nick English is a freshman who showed up on campus and has not stopped hitting. Mason Schwalbach, he's a heralded junior college player, has prolific numbers, big lefty power bat. You know, there's different pieces of the puzzle. I could see us playing three different lineups the first three games. That last sentence really caught my attention. Oh, how for they're, sure. they're so confident in their depth that you could roll out three different lineups in a weekend and be successful. Well, let's 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 stay with the strength here of what what he talked about there. First of all, depth is very very big at at the college level, at the Big Twelve college level, um, and I liked what he said about the mound. That's encouraging. And you look at difference making guys. We've talked about neighbors. Okay, you have Culpepper back, who's just a terrific talent. I really I really think if you look at it. Brendan Jones, good player, man. Yes, um, I'm, a, I'm a Brendan Jones guy. You, you look big fan. Yeah, Brady Day, good player. So you're starting to look at multiple positions, and then he starts talking about you know a, a, a very young player that comes in here and started to hit right out out of the gate in day one, and he just has, hasn't stopped. I'm in on all that. Let's go. <laughs> that's that's a good thing. Yeah, there's a you know Kalen Culpepper and Tyson Neighbors just represented you know Team USA. They played yes. for the United States. Um, over the summer, and so you're gonna, what you're gonna see, there's a lot of different styles, yeah, of play, and so, and you know, and Kalen moving to shortstop, he, I didn't really know a whole lot about his history, but he's played at third base throughout his K-State career so far. But moving to short is gonna be a very natural thing for him, and then taking over at third base for Kalen will be Daniel Rivera, who played uh, four seasons at South New Hampshire and plenty of experience. I mean, he's played in over 150 games and he's batting 321. So um, that's a pretty good replacement, if you ask me. Oh, for sure. Um, let's see. There's Oh, Brady Day is the other one. Uh, I think we should be very fortunate to have back for another year because he was drafted, drafted in the 12th round by the Atlanta Braves, and he elected to come back for another year, which is pretty big, um, especially with him being one of the best returning hitters in the Big 12. 
I think he's the third best returner when it comes to batting average. And last year he hit 356. So and and his fielding improved greatly. Um, so I you know it was really fun to watch Brady Day's improvement as the season continued. He clearly got better in both of his roles as a hitter and as a fielder. He he really took care of things uh, for K State there in the uh, in the fourth spot. You know what? I'm also looking forward to to seeing Chuck Ingram play the Wichita oh, State yeah. transfer. Definitely He's, need to mention him. Yeah, I, I think he is a guy who is probably going to be in that everyday lineup more times than not. And um, I think he brings some some neat things from Wichita State to the K-State campus. Yeah, Chuck Ingram, who's going to be in the outfield mm-hmm. with Brennan Jones and uh, and Kyan Lotus, who will most likely be your, like your Friday three, uh, most likely. Um, one of the top transfers in the country was an absolute dude at Wichita State, was a problem for K-State sure. when they would play each other. Uh, he is a he's a two time first team All American Athletic Conference player, and I mean I mean last year hit three sixty two eighty hits forty one RBI, career hitting three seventeen, and he has power. He has hit twenty six home runs yeah. in his career. At, at this point for a Pete Hughes team, that's an expectation. They're going to be disciplined at the plate, which they were very disciplined this past season, which they were the team leader and walk or the the Big Twelve leader in walks, and they still took the least amount of strikeouts. This past season, um, but also just hitting the home runs. I mean, these last three seasons for K State have been the three best seasons in program history in hitting home runs. Let's take a break. Again, K State baseball begins on Friday in Scottsdale, Arizona against Cal with a seven o'clock first pitch pregame six thirty online only at newsradiokman.com. We'll finish Wildcat Insider next. All right, Wyatt. Uh, as we put a bow here on uh, this latest edition of. Wildcat Insider. Take a look at what the Big 12 has to offer this week. Uh, again, K-State does not play until Saturday. No midweek game this week for the men. The women will play Wednesday at 6.30 at Iowa State. Hopefully, Aokali is back for that game. we got a couple of games tonight. KU at Texas Tech. Wyatt, no Kevin McCuller tonight for KU. It's a road game for the Jayhawks. Are you feeling Texas Tech? They are actually the favorite by three and a half points. I'm not surprised they're favored, honestly, because as we talked about earlier in the show, KU's a good club, but they have not played as well on the road in the league this year as they normally do. And Tech, of course, is pretty solid at home. Would I be shocked if KU won? No, but I do think you have to favor Tech. Um, And um, it's interesting that the guy missing McCuller had been at Tech. That probably a pretty important game for him. That has to hurt him to to miss that one for sure. Tuesday will and by the way, uh, TCU hosting West Virginia tonight at seven. That's who K State plays next is TCU on Tuesday. A uh, couple of pretty intriguing games. First of all, I put Iowa State on upset alert because they're heading to Cincinnati and yeah. Cincinnati. Even though they're four and six in the Big Twelve, they've had some close losses. That's a feisty team. Well, they almost got Houston at home, yeah. so that gives you a little bit of an idea of of what they're like. We mentioned earlier in the show they have some size. Uh, they've had pretty decent quality, uh, you know, guard play. I-, I love that sophomore Skillings coming off the bench. I think he's going to be a really good player. And, Again, well coached. I, I I'm anxious to 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 see that game. Iowa State at Cincinnati. I think that could be a good game. I I see here Cincinnati plays at Fifth Third Arena. I had Correct. to Google what Fifth Third is. Yeah, it's a bank. Yeah, it's a yeah. bank. Uh huh. So nothing too exciting. It's a great arena though. 
and I'm sure they're paying a lot of money to get their name on that arena. <laughs> uh, let's see. I lost my place here. Okay. Also, tomorrow night is a pretty intriguing game on ESPN2. It's actually a doubleheader with Iowa State-Cincinnati. Oklahoma at Baylor. Yeah. Baylor just got – I don't know if stun's the right word, but they just fell short at KU and – well, Oklahoma State still hanging in there in the top 25 and number 25. I don't know. I kind of see it as a, a coin toss. I'm going to go Baylor, but I see it being pretty close. Well, I'll tell you, Baylor is a really good club, but they seem to, at home, play a lot of close games. And I, I think Oklahoma's a solid club. I'm anxious to watch that one, too. That's at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Um, could see that one going either way, but a slight favorite for Baylor for me. No Wednesday games. We go to Saturday, and uh, there, there's a couple of games that stand out to me. First one is a noon game on CBS. Texas visiting Houston. Just based on Texas's history in the Big 12 play so far on the road, this could get pretty interesting for number 3 Houston at home. Houston did beat them in Austin, but it was a pretty close game. I think it was like 72-66 or something like that. I would expect uh, Texas to get after him a little bit. They, they, they're certainly good enough. It depends on, you know, if, if Acemas is making some shots, they're going to be in games. By the way, KU plays twice on the road this week. Saturday, they're at Oklahoma. So this may very well be, if Kevin McCullough is not playing, an 0 yeah. for 2 week for KU. And that rarely happens. No doubt. It, and it'd be a hard week. Two on the road. <laughs> We've been there this year. It is difficult to do that. Wyatt, once again, thanks for stopping by. And, uh, Try to hopefully squeeze you in next week with Big Monday in Austin. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. That's going to do it for Wildcat Insider. I want to thank A.J. Shaw across the glass, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, to my 1 o'clock. Mitch Fortner signing off. We'll have a full two hours of the game tomorrow. Go Cats. Getting you closer to the locker room than anyone else. This is Wildcat Insider. Wildcat Insider, an exclusive presentation of the flagship station of the K-State Sports Network. News Radio 1350, KMA.